Hey there, Mike Stelzner coming to you with a fascinating update you might not be familiar with. Did you know that Social Media Examiner can deliver all the marketing, training, news, and trends, insights that you need into your inbox three days a week when you sign up for our newsletter and it's completely free? Simply visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates and take your marketing to the next level. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here is your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by socialmediaexaminer.com. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. Hey, before we get started with today's episode. Did you know that Social Media Examiner has a growing YouTube channel? You can find it over at youtube.com slash socialmediaexaminer. And here's the cool thing. We are publishing three original videos three times a week. And two of those videos are video tutorials where we fly some of the top social media marketing experts into our studios And they go direct to camera and show you exactly how to do awesome things with Instagram and Facebook. And then the third video is videos from me sharing marketing and business advice. So if you are on YouTube and you have not yet subscribed, we would love you to go over to youtube.com slash social media examiner or just search for social media examiner on your mobile YouTube app and hit that subscribe button and don't miss any of the cool content we're producing over there. All right, so today we're going to talk all about YouTube trends. I'm going to be joined by Sean Cannell, and you're going to love what we talk about because we don't just get into kind of like big level things. We also get into the algorithm on YouTube, how it works and what we need to know. I got to tell you, this is probably one of the best interviews I've done on YouTube ever. So if you really want to dig in, you're going to find absolute solid gold in today's episode. By the way, if you want to tag me on Instagram, I'm at Stelzner, or if you want to email me on podcast at socialmediaexaminer.com. And one last thing, I know that about 17% of the people that are listening are not subscribers. How do I know that? Because Apple tells me. So if you're listening to this and you've not hit that subscribe button, Please do, because there's amazing content that you will be missing if you do not hit that subscribe button. Did you know that we can deliver awesome marketing info directly into your inbox? Simply subscribe to our weekly newsletter that comes out three days a week. You won't miss any of the updates going on in the world of social marketing. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates. All right, let's transition over to this week's interview with Sean Cannell. Helping you to simplify your social safari. Here is this week's expert guide. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Sean Cannell. If you don't know who Sean is, you need to know who he is. He's a video marketing expert, author of the book, YouTube Secrets, and host of the Think Marketing Podcast. His two YouTube channels have combined more than 1.5 million followers, and he's here to talk about YouTube with us today. Sean, welcome back to the show, man. Mike, I'm so pumped to be here. Super excited to have you. Today, Sean and I are going to explore the important YouTube trends that he sees from his vantage point and what marketers need to pay attention to. 
Now, Sean, I'm kind of a newbie in the grand scheme of things to YouTube. Just quick backstory. How long have you had your channels for? You know, I've had my channels for a decade now, but the first channel I ever started was in 2007 for my church. So I've actually been on YouTube for about 13 years. Is that about when it started? Yeah, it started 15 years ago. So right at those early days. Yeah. So you're one of the original guys. You're one of the original people on the channel. So you've been there so long, but a lot of marketers have been hanging out on Facebook or they've been hanging out on Twitter or LinkedIn or Instagram, and they've not really looked at YouTube as a platform that they should be on. And I would love you to share with them, at least those that are not on the channel yet, why they ought to consider YouTube. Yeah. I mean, YouTube is sometimes not even wrapped in the social media conversation. It's kind of just this known force. It's like, well, yeah, that's the video platform. But when we think about it, it is a social network. It's also the dominant video platform, number one in the world, the number two most visited website in the world, the number two largest search engine in the world. And when I think about why marketers should consider it is simply because your target audience is there. Like the people you want to reach for sure are consuming YouTube. YouTube announced that now there's over 2 billion monthly active users and their consumption is going up all the time on mobile, now on smart TVs, as well as on desktops. The amount of time on the platform people are spending is longer and longer. And that's what YouTube's goal is, is to increase time on platform so that they can, of course, sell advertising to build the business. But the point is consumption is there and intention is there. So marketers could absolutely need to approach the platform as, in my opinion, I believe it's irresponsible not to have a YouTube strategy. And that's at three levels. I think, number one, at least just your presence, like establish your presence with some core pieces of content just so you can be found there, just so you have some, you know, a little bit of relevancy since it is such a dominant platform Two, I think that even just for paid ads, if you don't have an organic strategy, the fact that, you know, prices are rising everywhere, but with Facebook ads getting disapproved for some marketers, I think that looking into YouTube from uh, a paid advertising standpoint and all of the opportunities there. And then of course, number three, really treating it as a strategy where you view your company, your brand as a media company, and you put out consistent content, really like you guys are doing at Social Media Examiner. Do you have any concept of the demographics and session time on the platform? Is it Because obviously all my kids are on there all day long, but is it just the younger generation that's on there or people like my age and older hanging out on there every day? The crazy thing is pretty much the younger generation, it's like 98% is on there. So basically 100, you know, like pretty much everybody, if you're Gen Z and even as you get into millennials. But the crazy thing was that the last time I looked, it was over 70, 50% was on the platform. So we're talking one out of two, I think it was 80, one out of two people that are now older in their legacy years that are going there, whether they're, you know, Google released this stat, 68% of people use YouTube to answer a question. Hmm. And so that's all people. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so we could think about that, that those at all types of different ages, maybe they just want to fix their dishwasher, right? Right, Maybe they're trying to figure out what blender to buy, Blendtec versus Ninja, or maybe they're beginning to consume content of all types. I think that we've also seen, you take somebody like in personal, the personal development space that is now um, getting older and still just crushing and putting out content. Brian Tracy, you know, he's got a YouTube presence. So People that have built audiences, I've seen people that are from traditional media with their YouTube presence, 
as well. You know, late night comedy has their uh, Jimmy Fallon, you know, has those clips that are on YouTube. So all of the different generations are using it for different reasons, news, snippets of news. And so um, it's such a dominant platform. We need to pay attention. Any set any sense of how long people tradition spend average session duration on the platform? Is that data public? Not off the top of my head, do I know? I believe that data is public and certainly something to look up. But one of the things that YouTube was announcing was that there was the increased consumption of people spending up to an hour a day. And so obviously that varies right. widely. But I've heard a half an hour session duration is what I've heard, which seems about right. And I think you can calculate it because I think they've given out some statistics about how many people use the platform every day and how many hours of video is being consumed every day. And you can do simple math and kind of come up with a, a session duration. But they're spending pretty substantial amounts of time on the platform, unlike Twitter, where they're on and off in seconds. I mean, that's a key thing we need to understand, right? Exactly. And and I mean, there was the one stat that it's like two to five minutes on mass. But what you're seeing is that there's, you know, much longer sessions for some people. And then especially as you get into younger demographic gaming, streaming. And I also think it's interesting. You take like the Joe Rogan podcast, you know, he's, you'll go two, two and a half, three, three and a half hours. And of course, people consume that in audio as well. But those long form streams are uploaded there on YouTube Got it. as another option. So I, I just looked up some stats here. The average mobile session lasts more than 40 minutes. You know, I often wonder these stats vary so widely, right? Because right. it depends on the person and depends on the content. But the trend we're seeing regardless and what YouTube is also desiring as we talk about strategies is they want people on the platform. They're interested in longer form content or sequences of shorter form content. And that's what we'll maybe see. I think about I'm in the tech industry. So I have a tech channel talking about cameras, helping people with lighting. And what I've learned as a behavior from a consumer looking for a product, they don't just watch my videos or they don't just watch somebody else's. A lot of times they're going to watch three, four, five, six different points of view, especially if they're about to spend $1,000 on a camera or $2,000 on a laptop. And so for some of these decisions, there's clusters of viewing behavior. And that's what YouTube loves mm -hmm. is when people are spending time on platform. Well, we're all in on YouTube over at Social Media Examiner, and we believe that uh, it has got the longest, it's the best platform across all the social media platforms for just pure video watch time. That's data, you know, our data shows that that's true. And I would imagine most people's data shows that true. It's just the platform that was built with this intent. And people, when they go there, are they're going there specifically to just do that one thing, which is to watch video. I would love to hear um, your thoughts on what some of the big trends are looking into the near future when it comes to YouTube? Yeah. So going into 2020 and beyond, I really think that there's six big trends. The first one is I really think that now on YouTube, it's about quality over quantity. And depending on what platform you were looking at, and, and there's still maybe some validity to this, is people would try to just kind of canvas the platform, going live every day, going live for just a few minutes, doing a live challenge and going live for 100 days in a row. And I think a lot of those things can help you build traction. But what's powerful about YouTube is it's different than the other platforms. Other platforms are content feeds. You know, they're here today, gone tomorrow. Not a lot of people watch a Facebook video from two weeks later, let alone two months or two years later. But YouTube is not a content feed. YouTube is a content library. And when I think about what goes in a library, well, books go in a library. 
So YouTube's not about quick tweets and quick, quick Instagram captions. In my opinion, not that you need to write a book, that certainly takes a long time, but you wanna put out something more substantial that's more quality and it has the opportunity then to rank in search and be viewed for weeks, months, and years to come. The quality over quantity strategy means maybe an approach where you're trying to create evergreen content that you put energy into, not just because you're gonna get the first few days of views, but that it can be watched years later. And that's what I've experienced and how I've really built a YouTube empire is by building a library of ranked videos that are consistently being discovered in search and consistently being suggested by YouTube. And I think that matters more than ever before. And a way to summarize that is a lot of people in our community sometimes will say, how many videos do you upload a week? And they'll say, man, I upload five videos a week. I upload seven videos a week or more. And I'm struggling. I'm not getting the traction or the views that I want. My advice would actually be, what if you reduced those seven uploads into one or two that you spend more energy on? That's a better thumbnail, better quality content, optimized better, better researched, more strategy behind it. Because you have the opportunity of YouTube being a search engine, really good videos rise to the top and stay there potentially for years. Perfect. What's the next trend? The next trend is branding over marketing. And what I mean there is, you know, especially on the social media marketing podcast, we're used to potentially doing a paid ad campaign where we just want to get some clicks, get people to a landing page, grow uh, our email address um, list, or maybe we want to do a promotion, do a sale and try to get as many clicks and as much traffic as we can quickly. And maybe it's here today and gone tomorrow. Maybe people listening, they're doing drop shipping and it's about importing something that's trendy and then selling it quickly, whatever it is. And all of that's great. But when you do that, it's sometimes you have to hop from trend to trend, from marketing campaign to marketing campaign. Whereas we know that if you build a brand, somebody like Nike doesn't ultimately get you to buy their clothes because of their great Facebook ad strategy. They get you to buy their clothes because of the brand equity and trust they've built over decades. And so when I think about branding, I do think about it actually builds on quality. It builds on the experience that somebody has with you as opposed to quickly jumping on a trend and rushing out the content and not thinking through that experience that someone is having with you when they watch the content. When you build a brand over over time, come on, you want to be known as the go-to expert. You want to be known that in your area of expertise or in your area of how you serve people, that whenever people show up, you deliver on your brand promise, your value proposition. And I feel like on YouTube, as things get more crowded, and this is probably true across all platforms, that when you become a recognizable brand, that's sometimes, that's the kind of thing that can also help beat the algorithm. One of the reasons why your videos are getting clicked on is because you're more recognizable and not because of how you look, but because of the way you look associated with what people have known you for delivering. So I think in 2020, focusing on branding over marketing. And what that really means, I think, is don't just create videos for direct selling, right? Create content that that somehow represents your brand. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Absolutely. And I, I'm glad that you said that because one of the big mistakes too that as marketers we make is in the past, we were used to really always wanting to quantify everything. So if we put out a great YouTube video, we'd want to deliver value for a few minutes. But as the video ends, we would maybe say, and so if you want to go deeper, go download my free checklist or go install this free app or this free coupon 
plugin or go watch a webinar that's now going to send people into a sales process or a sales sequence. However, in 2020, you want to do that a lot less. I'm talking about maybe only one out of 10 videos do I want to send people off platform. And that goes back to why YouTube's going to suggest your videos. They're going to suggest your videos because of time on platform, because you are adding value. So what I'm saying is keep the sales conversation and develop no like and trust on YouTube longer. Of course, eventually you need to send people to your website. And by the way, eventually if they're really interested, they will seek you out. Whereas in the past, marketers would think always get people to the landing page, always get them to take that sales action. I'm saying be patient, slow down, build trust and build your brand over time and be less focused on short-term marketing metrics. This is a very, very important message that Sean is saying here. We are investing heavily in the creation of multiple videos, two to three a week on our channel. Absolutely none of those videos has any call to action other than watch another video. That's it, nothing else. I might be wearing a social media marketing world t-shirt. There might be a little tiny social media marketing world sign on the desk behind where the talent is. That's a little subliminal branding, if you will. But there's nothing in there in a traditional marketing sense. And it's because the concept is a universal concept, which is to nurture an audience that knows, likes, and trusts you. And then eventually you'll be able to market to them. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that a little bit later, but I want to move on to your next trend. Yeah. So number three, and in a way, I I think we're talking about even some fundamentals here, but as Michael Jordan said, master the fundamentals and everything else you do will rise. And so number three is a focus value proposition. And, you know, we've heard that it's important to niche down or niche down. However, when I talk to like my friend, Matt Geelin from Little Monster Media Co., who has done massive studies of the algorithm and massive studies uh, of what videos are being recommended. In fact, he's got a great YouTube channel that they've launched recently with some deeper studies on cracking the YouTube algorithm. One of the trends he's been noticing is that YouTube channels that have a singular value proposition perform much better. Let's summarize it this way. Never upload a video that your subscribers did not subscribe for. Therefore, it's like it's harder to have a variety channel. Now, the way you can have a variety channel is if you're building a personal brand because you are the value proposition. So they want to hear you talk about your fitness routine and how you are making your smoothie in the morning and you interview your friend about life and whatever because you're the value proposition. But what we're really seeing channels thrive, especially channels that have grown in the last year or so. Dr. Eye Health, someone that's a part of some of our uh, academies, he's an eye doctor and he's just helping with contact lenses and eyes and very specific. I think about there's the grandma who went viral, Donia Angelo. She's got 2 million subscribers. She's been on YouTube for five months. It's a cooking show. It's very interesting because she's in Mexico. She's cooking over a wood fire, but she's going viral with the solo value proposition. I think about even Vanessa Lau. She's teaching social media marketing and business. Exact point. She's teaching social media marketing and business to millennials, and she's staying on brand with that message. So having a variety channel, and here's how this is affecting me personally, Mike, is on Think Media, I say the best tips and tools for building your influence with online video. That's our promise. The tools are the cameras and the software and live streaming gear and what lens did you buy and lighting kits. And then the strategies, the tips, is not just 
I'll even put it this way. I kind of stretch tips, not just camera tips, but also strategies, you know, maybe some influencer marketing stuff. And what I've learned is that everyone who's clicking subscribe for the tech, for the cameras, they don't necessarily want to, uh, they're not interested in those other types of topics that I've wove in there. Therefore, when I upload a video, YouTube will now tell you this in the YouTube studio. It'll say, this video is not doing well for lack of subscriber interest. And you don't have to never, I mean, at some point you need to experiment. At some point you want to try something new. At some point you don't want to get too uh, in a rut per se. But what became clear to me was that we actually at this point need to start a second YouTube channel. And that's why we launched Think Marketing because it's actually a much more appropriate place to talk about email marketing and go even actually deeper because we want to take that to the next level. We want to talk about where we host our online courses and how we set up pipelines and funnels. That's way off brand for Think Media. So here's what we're learning. The trend is have a focused value proposition and you can break those rules, but it's like you need to know the YouTube commandments to keep the YouTube gods happy. And if you're confusing the algorithm by not interesting your subscribers with the next upload, The way the distribution works is YouTube drips your videos to some of your subscribers first, and depending on their interest, do even more of your subscribers see it, as well as people that YouTube has associated that are non-subscribers but have similar viewing behavior to your subscribers. That's how things grow. So the better you have a clear value proposition and consistently deliver on that, here's another way to put it. You want to become a no-miss show, a no-miss channel, a no miss upload. I think of Phil DeFranco is one of the best examples for this because it's the Phil DeFranco show. It's a news show and I watch him four days a week and I don't want to miss Phil DeFranco. He's, he's, it's clear. And Phil DeFranco recently launched a couple other channels. He has a conversation with channel. Now it's his kind of video podcast. He has a personal channel where he's experimenting on some other things. He could have uploaded those on his main channel and some people, I would have been all right with it, but he understands It would have confused the algorithm. It wasn't what we originally subscribed for. So he's segmenting his content a little bit so that each channel can have a focused value proposition. So far, we've talked about quality over quantity, branding over marketing, and focused value proposition. What's the fourth one? The next one is time on platform. We talked about that top. And that's you know, all the platforms, that's what they want, right? I mean, Facebook wants you to stay on Facebook. Instagram wants you to stay on Instagram. And here's the thing. YouTube wants you to stay on YouTube. Now, it's not that they're in a way going to penalize you from the perspective of they give you the tools to link your website to your YouTube channel so that you can even use clickable end cards to send people off. But they do acknowledge the algorithm sees session starts and session ends. So when you start a session, this is why it's powerful if you have an email list and you upload your weekly YouTube video and you send traffic or you have social media influence on Twitter and you send traffic, YouTube goes, oh wow, you initiated a session, we love you. You brought people to the party, you brought them to the platform and the longer they stay, the more you're rewarded. It's actually not just the viewing session on your channel, but it's the session time period that you initiated. So if they watch other content, A portion of that is attributed back to whoever started the session. Well, the opposite is true. If you end the session by calling people to go to your website or sending people off the platform, YouTube understands that at some point that's going to happen or they just might end in the middle of the video because they get interrupted. Life goes on. The problem is if you're sending people off the platform and not conscientious of time on platform, you will suffer 
with the YouTube algorithm. And you put it best. What you're doing on the YouTube channel that you're investing in now is you're linking to other videos. You're keeping the conversation going longer on YouTube to extend that time on platform. I think what marketers need to know is that as counterintuitive as this can seem, you want to do – would you rather get 100 people off of YouTube to your email list or would you rather grow your YouTube channel to 10,000, 50,000, 100,000 so now you could get thousands of people to your email list over the next couple months and even years? It's a long game approach. Yeah, it's a tiny slice of a big pie instead of a big slice of a little pie, right? That's right. So time on platforms, absolutely essential. I think marketers totally understand that every you know, every single social platform is monetized by advertising. Therefore, if they can keep people on the platform longer, they can show more ads, they can make more money, and then you're the best friend, if you will, or the ally of the platform. Um, what's the next one? The next one is, again, one of the fundamentals, but it's consistency. And of course, you got to be consistent on all platforms to break through. But I think let's give some practicality here. One, I think a minimum is a video upload a week. And that's actually not even going to algorithmically trigger the algorithm, but it's going to trigger your audience. It's going to let people know that you're consistent, that you're still showing up. And again, maybe you do have a weekly newsletter, a weekly significant, valuable piece of content that you want to serve your audience with, well, then that's your weekly upload. Hey, go watch my weekly show on YouTube. Hey, it's Tuesday. You send the email blast, you share on social, that weekly video came out. But we again had Matt Geelan come on our show, Video Influencers. You were recently on there talking about some of the upcoming social media trends. And he was talking about, we're seeing two trends that two to three uploads a week, three is really the ideal upload amount a week going into 2020 with 48 hours in between. And the reason why is because if you actually upload videos back to back, you kind of push one out of browse, browse features, which is YouTube recommending your own videos on the homepage and, and uh, to your own subscribers. So kind of a good cadence is three a week with 48 hours in between. Alternatively, there are some channels who are also doing high volume. And if you're doing high volume, their goal is that they wanna upload a lot of videos. Most probably won't perform as good, but some go viral and some impact people interviewed for years. And so that's the other approach. Sometimes that's daily. Sometimes that's two or three a day. Maybe people are covering consistent news stories, going live, turning it off, going live. But if we summarize, I think being consistent with at least one a week to win on YouTube, three, if you really want to be kind of a media company and, you know, really dominating the platform to trigger the algorithm the best or potentially a high volume output strategy. Got it. So we're promoting, uh, we're publishing on Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, but we probably ought to do Monday, Wednesday, Friday is what I'm hearing you say, right? Sure. And one of the cool things you can use, I love to use the tool vidIQ on the web-based app. They have a tool in there that will show you when your subscribers are on the platform at the, uh, at their peaks and valleys. And so like just, it, it's always changing. I've learned with back to school as people start getting into the swing of work and whatnot, sometimes the week really dips. Sometimes the week is much higher. So it'd be interesting to do some research because who knows? I mean, you're dealing with marketers, professionals, people that are, you know, probably mostly operating during the week on their campaigns and whatnot, but maybe they're very active Saturday morning, maybe Sunday morning, you never know, Sunday evening. And so doing some data and some research, what we try to do, in fact, Michael, that's why we have been uploading at 3 a.m. We schedule our uploads a lot of times right now between 3 
four or five because it's the beginning of the wave of our subscribers kind of waking up. It's a little bit of an international audience, I'm sure, East Coast. And so we actually precede it with our upload. And here's why. Our, our sixth trend is going to be some metrics that matter most. And one of those metrics are view velocity. Oh man, YouTube cares about view velocity. How fast, once you make the video public, is it getting views? Because of your subscribers and because of external traffic, because of interest, because of people clicking on it. So if you upload the video at a peak of when even your own audience is, is there, and maybe it's even going down, well, then you're going to affect the view velocity. Simply uploading that video at a different, more strategic time of day could actually determine the long-term destiny of that video being watched and being ranked and potentially generating new viewership for your channel for weeks, months, and years to come. So that was a lot, but uh, yeah, let me ask clarifying question on view velocity. And we're under the last uh, trend, which is the metrics that matter most, but the view velocity for those of us that send out newsletters, do you recommend that we publish the video on one day and send out a link to it on a different day? Or do you recommend we do it on the same day? What's going to give us the best velocity, if you will? I would same day. Absolutely. First 24 hours is the view velocity's most important time. And I would say I've noticed even in the first three, I uploaded a video this morning and I looked at the view velocity within the first few hours. I went into studio beta and, and now the YouTube, it's now called YouTube studio. They're abandoning studio classic. It's being archived very soon. For people that don't know what you're talking about, he's talking about the analytics interface that you see, right? When you're inside of uh, YouTube, right? Correct. It's been a complete overhaul. And so now it's just called YouTube studio and it's kind of a learning curve and it might make you uncomfortable at first, but once you get to know it, you'll fall in love with it. And one of the things I love it. Yeah. That they're giving us is this feedback kind of in layman's terms. And on the homepage, they are always ranking our videos based on your last 10 uploads. So they'll say, this is 10 out of 10, meaning that's the worst, or this is your top video out of your last 10 uploads, and it's constantly changing. In the first hour, your video is four out of your last 10, but in the first four hours, now it's six out of your last 10. So it's this curve of view velocity, and it's constantly giving you feedback. So I uploaded this video uh, today, and it was doing very low, it was nine or 10 on the list, and I thought, I knew the video was great, And I knew that the content was good. I knew we'd put energy into it as a team and that it should be performing better. And I realized I had positioned it wrong. And immediately I knew that it was the thumbnail's fault. I have brown hair. I was interviewing Sarah Beth from Sarah Beth Yoga. She has brown hair. And we were against dark bushes and trees behind us. So we were indistinct from the background. So, you know, thumbnails matter so much. You want the imaging to be clear, distinct. You want it to pop. All that to say, I could feel it. And so immediately I just went to work and I tweaked the thumbnail, tried to brighten it up as much as possible. So I changed the thumbnail about two, three hours into it. I shared it a little bit to try to get it going again. And sure enough, it shifted the click-through rate on the video and the video began to perform better. Now I'm actually looking at my YouTube studio beta and it's telling me, looking good, your video is performing as usual, so it's growing. And I can even feel, it's like my spidey sense of YouTube from doing this for so long. I go, okay, that's where that video should be performing. Here was the thing, because that video had less subscriber interest or less clicks in the first couple hours, immediately the video felt the impact in distribution. The reverse is true. When it's a no-miss video, people can't skip past it in their subscription feed, and the topic is interesting, the title is interesting, man, 
Not only will YouTube accelerate distribution to your subscribers, but very quickly you can start being suggested and even put on the homepage for people that YouTube would think would be interested in that content. It's an important little thing that you might have missed that Sean just said, accelerate to your subscribers. So it's not like email where everybody's going to get a notification just because they're a subscriber. So Sean, I, I think it's really important for people to understand that not every video is going to be shown to your subscribers because there's an algorithm at play and it's sampling it to decide whether it's worthy to show it to the subscribers, right? So like, is that super critical? And if it is, tell us more. What do we need to know about the algorithm? Yes. And so that is very critical. So that connects now to these metrics that matter most. And so we could go through them and then yeah, let's do uh, it. I'll do the list and then go through uh, each one specifically. So in 2020, click-through rate, view velocity, average view duration, watch time, and session time. Those are the five metrics that I believe matter most. And let's start with click-through rate. It's exactly what we were just describing. You know, marketers would certainly know that if you don't get the click, you can't get anything else. It's why you write the email subject headline and you take so much time with that, because if they don't open the email, then they'll never actually read the copy and take action on what's inside. And so on YouTube, that click-through rate matters so much and more than, uh, and for the first time, YouTube now tells us inside of our YouTube studio what the click-through rate average on our channel is and what the click-through rate of any individual video is. And so here's what influences it. It's certainly the thumbnail, that's a very big deal. It's absolutely the title, and you'd wanna write your titles as headlines, you'd want them to be interesting, something that makes someone wanna click. But one of the things I don't hear a lot of people talking about is it's actually the topic itself. Mm. And that connects back to what we described is never upload a video that your subscribers didn't subscribe for, because you could have the best thumbnail in the world, like we could maybe all gather at Social Media Marketing World this year and stand in, in the main auditorium and we put the thumbnail up on, uh, you know, it's painted out on a canvas and we just acknowledge how beautiful it is. Well, if it's actually the wrong topic be in front of the, the, you know, it's the right audience, it's your subscribers, but you don't have the right topic for them, well, then they're not interested. They're not clicking through on it. Furthermore, it's like I've learned that on our channel, we've talked so much about the Canon M50 camera that if I put up a mediocre thumbnail, which is the title that's not it spend a ton of time on, but it's something about the Canon M50, boom, that click-through rate is accelerated, especially initially, because I'm talking about the right topic. So when it comes to click-through rate, it's those three, I really believe. It's your title, your thumbnail, and your topic. And if you're talking about a trending topic, let's talk about the Tesla Cybertruck. Not only do we see lots of people talking about it, memes about it, but a lot of smart YouTube creators from all different backgrounds and types of channels, I saw people talking about how it was genius branding. They're putting it in their thumbnail. They're leveraging it as a trending topic on YouTube. People, there's so much interest in it. People are clicking on the Cybertruck from different points of view because it's the right topic at the right time with the right title and the right thumbnail. Quick question. I know we can change our thumbnail without any uh, hit to the algorithm. Obviously, it could be a negative hit to the click-through rate if the thumbnail is going from better to worse. But what about the title? Should we never change the title once the video comes out? Or is that is that dangerous territory? Or is that okay to test also? So here's my point of view. I used to teach and was taught by so many bright voices and, and minds in this space that even traditional SEO-wise, you could change your description, you could change your tags, you could change your title, you could change your 
description, thumbnail, or tags, and it's not gonna affect Google re-indexing the video, like for search, but you don't wanna change your title because that'll mess with things. Well, just because I test so much and I just have had hunches lately, this is very new, this is a fresh strategy. I have actually changed it many times. Your titles and without any negative impact necessarily, right? In fact, I just, I took one word out of the title of the, of the video that I uploaded this morning. The video that I uploaded this morning was how to make money on YouTube without burning out seven tips. And the original title was how to make more money on YouTube without burning out along with the channel, uh, with a thumbnail change. I realized more, here was the thinking and the psychology. I thought, well, a lot of people maybe aren't making any money on YouTube yet. and the messaging of more could be unattainable. Mm. And so I watched before my eyes instantly, even the tags that were ranking, there was only one ranking tag through vidIQ. And by the way, that changes very rapidly because YouTube is, is like testing your video immediately to audiences, especially in those first three, six, you know, 24 hours. And then, and then eventually rankings kind of get established. But Mike, I saw it before my eyes when I tweaked the title, I started ranking different for many of the tags and it was in a combination of, again, sharing it, changing the title, changing the thumbnail in real time. And so here's what I've been learning about YouTube. And this is just one man's point of view who does a lot of YouTube and does this all day long is again, it's the, the things that matter to YouTube are the metrics I just said. And YouTube has been explicit about this. It's not optimization. Optimization matters when you first release it. But then it, uh, YouTube starts to read what words you're saying, like the AI is listening, and if you upload a, a closed caption file, they, they are looking at the average view duration, they're getting a feel. Immediately, the robots go to work assessing the content itself, the engagement itself, the viewership itself. And so that's why I'm not afraid to change the title because if it can influence, here's the, my other thought, is that people are waking out up throughout the first 24 hours. If you have any subscribers at all, Good and point. this is probably much more relevant if you have subscribers, then I'm realizing, okay, I've had about three hours of my subscribers not being interested into this. Well, I've still got, you know, and sometimes I get discouraged. I'm like, well, I still have 21 more as the earth circles the sun, right. you know, to get more clicks on this, more interest to better position this, to hopefully better address the psychology of that I know from serving our community for years. And so I will make changes on the fly. Cool. All right. So we've talked about view velocity already. We've talked about um, session time already. Just talk about average, quickly talk about average view duration versus watch time. Just give us the quick skinny on that and then we'll move on to my next question. Yeah. So average view duration is across, it, it would be on average of, out of everybody who watches your video, what is the average view duration? And so you want that to be as long as possible. Watch That's a time. channel average basically is what you're saying? Channel average and video average. So it'll tell you the average view duration of one video, and but it'll also show a channel average. So here's a way to summarize it. Watch time is, you could do a lot of things to kind of quote unquote hack watch time. Long live streams. Uh, my friend Nick Nimmin, a great you know YouTube expert, will do like four, five, six hour live streams, but this has helped grow his channel. VidIQ, the channel has done, lots of super long live streams creatively around subscriber battles between PewDiePie and T-Series because they can get just hundreds and thousands of minutes of watch time. Even if only a few people are watching, they're watching all day or they're on and off. Average view duration is the video itself. 
how long are people actually hanging on average uh, in the video? And if you could get over 50%, you're doing really well. So average view duration, if it was an eight minute video, if 50% average view duration would be most or the majority of people make it four minutes in the video. Perfect. Okay. So in light of everything we've been talking about, and this has been solid gold, the, I know there are people listening right now that are saying, okay, I get this whole branding over marketing thing, but I want to market. Uh, how can we promote our own stuff in light of all this we've been talking about? What kind of thoughts can you share on how we can get a message across that is actual marketing? Love it. You know, the first one is something you already mentioned, and I've heard it called this, and that's seeding. There's a great book from, hey, we talked ahead, ahead of time about this, the author of Presuasion, yep. Robert Cialdini. Cialdini. And he wrote the book Influence. And he was just talking about how, again, when it comes to the marketing conversations with Presuasion, there's just a lot of things that you could do to make the sales process, let's say, friction free because of what has already happened. And that is because you've built no like, and trust. And so I think as marketers, it's just shifting our attention that what if we wine and dine, if you will, and add value to people for YouTube over multiple videos, over multiple minutes, and maybe even multiple hours so that the sales process or them going to the next level with us is just, they've already built the trust. It's, it's a no brainer. So the, the idea of seeding, you mentioned it, you're always linking to other videos in your videos as a majority, but you are wearing a t-shirt about social media marketing world or there's something in the background. Right. Furthermore, you might even mention it in the conversation. You might say recently, or or maybe it's even a talk from social media market or a snippet from a keynote. Right. So people are actually getting to try before they buy, if you will, and see, man, this content's amazing. Like this is, if I'm gonna experience that, I've. it's also remembering that we're also talking about a multi-platform oftentimes conversation. We're talking about maybe they are on our list, so they're seeing that early bird rates are ending soon and that they're following us on Instagram. But then when they see that keynote, that just goes, whoa, or that little snippet of a workshop, they go, that was so valuable. And it makes it top of mind again. You know, here's an interesting stat Google released. And as marketers, we've probably all heard the law of seven, the marketing law of seven. That might've been 20 years ago where it was like, if you were going to buy some toothpaste, you needed to hear the jingle at least seven times. If you were going to, you know, make that investment or go with this brand over that brand, you needed to see the billboard, read the newspaper ad and see the website at least seven times. Those days are long gone. Think with Google revealed that it's now 21 to 24 touch points wow. required wow. to generate a viable sales lead. So someone might even be like, I got to get my tickets to come to social media marketing world because it's incredible. But then life is so busy and you forget and so then it's the YouTube upload is simply a session. It's not giving you a call to action to necessarily do anything or it's just very subtle, but it still keeps it top of mind. So then when the email drops later, then they are able to say, that's right. You know, oh, that oh, I need to go back and, and make sure I actually talk to the team and get all of our registrations dialed in. And so this concept of seeding, I mentioned it earlier. I like to really give a call to action off platform, maybe one out of 10 times. But that doesn't mean that in my content, I'm not talking about our membership program or I'm not talking about, you know, even just what we do, like our annual event, whatever it is. I might just, you know, kind of mention it or say something from it. And I've seen our whole brand lift and our company lift by doing seating. And the second one, which both of these have I've really learned from Shalene Johnson. I know a friend of the show and yes. you guys have been friends for years. Curiosity marketing, which is this idea that in 2020 and beyond, 
we don't have to be so overt with marketing. In fact, marketers ruin everything, right? Like when we are just kind of maybe pounding a message down people's throats, it's fatiguing. It's not a good look. Whereas curiosity marketing, the way she would reference it is instead of listing your product and she would help people in like network marketing, maybe they're selling cosmetics. Instead of saying what the name is, what the shade is, what the URL is, what the exact color is, every single detail about it in your Instagram caption, just show off how good it looks and mention, I love this new lipstick. I just love this new eyeshadow. Then people that are interested go, well, what is it? And the conversation's now happening in the DMs. As an Instagram strategy, now you could actually share a link with them directly or an affiliate link because they're actually asking you. And so you're creating interest by adding value, putting out valuable content, I got to say, I did this with the video you watched uh, about a week ago. I showed you a little video of uh, addressing fear. And you said the first question you had for me is, what's this special project I'm working on? (laughs) Exactly. Because in there I said, hey, I've got fascinating. Yeah, I said, I've got something that I'm working on that scares me. But I didn't say what it was. And that's creating curiosity, right? 100%. And so this goes back to that idea of being patient as marketers and thinking about, how we can consistently build goodwill and add value. And, you know, I mentioned Phil DeFranco again because I watch his show daily. He's pretty overt with his, if you will, commercial spots. But because he's built a show that I want to watch consistently that adds value to my life, he has permission to seed all kinds of things. I've also learned that even when he talks about something, like maybe it's just another show he talks about a conversation with. And I think, oh man, he had MKBHD on there. I got to watch that. I've noticed he's doing something smart. He talks about it multiple times. He's not overly pushy about it. He's dropping it consistently. When we remember that there needs to be 21 to 24, if not more, touch points, then as marketers, we also realize how important it is to have a longer game strategy of just adding value consistently while keeping a brand in front of people. You know, by keeping that opportunity in front of people so that we're basically building, we're investing in a bank account. We're investing, we're investing in a trust account and we're investing in just a, a pure awareness account. Whereas once you've heard about something enough times, now it's starting to stick with people. And then that sales conversation that you want to have happen later won't require nearly as much friction and it won't be as much of a challenge. Well, folks, I could continue to talk to Sean literally for hours. He's that freaking cool and smart. But the good news is he does have a podcast. Tell everybody where they can discover your podcast, Sean. What's it called? Yes, it's the Think Marketing Podcast. And on all the platforms, Spotify and all uh, iTunes, Google, um, as well as YouTube, you can check the podcast out. And we're talking about all things marketing, but really YouTube. That's kind of the emphasis. And then how do you build uh, marketing in a business around that? That when you do take people off for email or funnels or a pipeline um, or even paid ads and all of those types of topics. So, yeah, if you want to learn more about YouTube, check out the Think Marketing podcast for sure. And if people want to track you down, where do you want to send them? If people want to track me down, I'm Sean Cannell, rhymes with YouTube channel on all platforms. And so S-E-A-N, last name is Cannell, C-A-N-N-E-L-L. I would love to connect with anybody. Uh, I'm on Twitter, active there, as well as Instagram all the platforms, LinkedIn, Sean Cannell, and uh, I'm here to help if people want to build their influence with online video faster. um, My team and myself are here to serve you. And I would imagine if they search your name on YouTube, they're going to find all your channels as well. 
they would. Video influencers, think media, my personal channel, Sean Cannell would get you there. And um, yeah, those channels, we, we've we got a, a weekly interview show on video influencers. You were just on there. That's a no-miss episode, Mike. You were talking about the must-attend-to 2020 video trends, and it's been cool to see that again. The thumbnail, the title, obviously the topic, and then the value that you back it up with is a no-miss video that I suggest people check out. You can actually, I mean, we'll link, me we'll on link this, to it. I guess. Yeah, we'll Type link to it in the 2020 video trends yeah. in the search, and you, this will be the number one video. Uh, video trends or social trends? 2020 social media trends. There you go. Maybe even the other way I said it. Cool. Well, we'll be sure to link to it all in the show notes. Uh, Sean, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom with us. It's my honor. I uh, appreciate you so much. Grateful for everything you're doing. And thanks for having me back on the show. And if there was anything we mentioned in today's episode and you missed it, we take all the notes. Simply visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash 388. And if you're on the Apple podcast app, you can swipe up for all the links and don't forget to subscribe. This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your babbling, tripping over my words host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you next week. I hope you make the absolute best out of your day and may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Want more good stuff? Sign up for our top-notch social marketing newsletter. We deliver it straight into your inbox three days a week. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates.